Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Concise and to the point, 
it would be greatly appreciated. One thing I find extremely frustrating is the 300-line series of questions, 90% of which are already answered if you simply take the time to study the evidence or at least watch through my flattered playlists, for example, or check out Jaredism or Mr. Thrive and Survive or Tiger Dan or any of the other awesome flat earthers out there who are constantly finding new problems with the globe model, which happens to not exist in reality, here on the stationary plane we call Earth. At any rate, please keep your comments civil or you will be banned. The only other option is to disable comments altogether, which to me is unthinkable, but I simply can no longer tolerate my videos being spammed with all sorts of profane nonsense that doesn't add anything to the discussion except confusion or division. We need to discuss these topics as a community of sovereign human beings with brains and integrity, coupled with an unquenchable thirst for absolute truth. Of course, we'll have our differences or disagreements, but there's no reason why we can't keep this civil. I'll mention here that I value each and every one of your input, not just those of you who see the truth and finally agree there's something to this whole stationary plane thing, but I especially appreciate the level-headed people who simply take the time to consider the evidence, make a few typical, expected, easily debunked, half-hearted attempts to prove the globe model, but when given a chance and you simply consider the evidence along with them, and how it relates to the stationary plane model and totally contradicts the world's sphericity, it should at least compel you or compel one to study this topic in greater detail. Let me make one thing clear. I've been a card-carrying globe earther for 99% of my life. Six months ago, I would have told you that you were exactly an idiot for stating that our world is a stationary plane as opposed to a spinning globe, and that would have been the end of that conversation. Now, I realized that I was simply enacting the programming which every single human being in the world has been trained to execute since they were just very small children. I would be mad or naive to expect any normal, rational person to see one or even all of my videos or read Zetetic Astronomy and automatically, magically become a flat earther. This is not an overnight process, and that is not how deprogramming works. What most people don't understand is that our minds or our collective conscious have all been programmed, much like an application in a computer, to execute certain processes and ultimately conform to a specific mode of thinking that allows for certain topics to be obvious and true while automatically disallows or dismisses other topics or theories as bad data and is henceforth completely removed from our consideration whatsoever. I'll give you an example of what I'm talking about from the point of view of a native South American who witnessed the enormous ships approaching the land from across the sea and eventually overshadowing a good portion of the horizon directly in their face. Surely a magnificent sight to behold, many of the people apparently didn't even see the ships, since the sight of such a thing was so preposterous according to their paradigm, the enormous seafaring vessel directly in front of their face didn't render in their mind as anything physical of note. This is an important point to make. It's what is told to us or asserted to us as being theoretically possible or conversely theoretically impossible and therefore absurd 
with a given worldview, which was actually more in tune and more in balance and in harmony with nature than the European invaders, who were certainly more along the lines of psychopathic maniacs, such as Columbus, who purportedly slaughtered countless thousands of innocent men, women, and children as if they were dogs in the street. I think Thanksgiving is yet another ritual holiday to commemorate the slaughter, rape, and pillaging of innocent Native Americans, but of course we think it's all about eating turkey birds with Indians. The naive conventional paradigm that is so nice and pretty which leads us to even celebrate Columbus Day on the second Monday of October, those types of holiday dates typically have some connection to specific phases of the moon or astrological configurations, as opposed to, say, Halloween, which is always on October 31st, or Christmas, which always falls upon the winter solstice, and Easter upon the spring equinox. So, the wicked murderer, Columbus aside, it's been established that we fully understand going into any conversation or debate with whomever you happen to be explaining this to, anyone who does believe this the first time you tell them has obviously never been to school a day in their life, or paid zero attention in science class, or never watched the Discovery Channel even once in their life, or they were kicked in the head by a mule, or maybe their science teacher smacked them with something hard. To be very honest with you, I would check a person's head for some type of concussion if when told, hey, bro, it's a flat earth. And they simply reply, really? Wow, that's amazing. I never considered that. Golly, thanks for pointing that out. As such a person would obviously be completely insane. I'm not disagreeing with that. Any rational person with a good education and a firm belief in the false knowledge passed on to them by the federal education systems, as well as their parents and media, who are all unwillingly disseminating the lie. They're not all lying, necessarily. This is not to say that flat earthers are insane. However, it is to say that our entire lives have been psychologically manipulated into deeply believing in a false picture of reality, which is reinforced by the professional manipulators of the collective conscious or the associations fused with pictures in our mind, which ultimately molds our understanding of the true or not-so-true place we hold in the grand scheme of things. In other words, the entire world is under a major form of mass hypnosis, totally delusional and completely out of touch with reality. There is a literal matrix of astonishing calculations all designed to prove the world as a spinning sphere whilst basing all of their assumed constants or basic mathematical premises on the assumption that the world is a sphere, proving only that they are very good at math. But in terms of understanding physical reality, not so much. With an entire world full of people living within a virtual prison planet, superficial yet extremely potent sphere of influence, a powerful deception that has all sorts of ramifications, both direct and indirect, physical and psychological, including extreme psychological oppression and emotional distress, our curious and frontiering nature totally capped off at the bottom of a sphere with no chance of escaping this imaginary, virtual, non-existing prison planet, which only exists in the minds of most people, 
but is not even close to the world which we actually indeed dwell within. Constant stress and oppressive psychological constructs, courtesy of the modern theoretical physicists, will manifest as physical issues and even ailments, including depression, for one. If a person can come to terms with the fact that they have been completely misled about the very shape and nature of the world in which they dwell, it's an extremely liberating fact to know and might have extremely positive health effects for people who finally break free of the virtual prison planet Earth. The psychological process a person must go through to firmly believe in a spinning sphere Earth is one that must be done at an early age as a rational adult would never subscribe to such an asinine, preposterous theory without any proof or further study, while a child will simply accept what is asserted to them by a figure of authority without question, since the adults always know best. The globe lie must be asserted as factual uniformly by all sources of knowledge and influence, whilst any facts or questions contrary to the spinning sphere are instantly dismissed as preposterous. Hence, our society has been trained, like monkeys, to mock, alienate, and throw poop at people who question the validity of the heliocentric model or purport the world to be obviously a stationary plane and that the entire population has been fooled. Big time. Understanding this particular truth, while easily verifiable and literally right in front of everyone's face to examine in intimate detail, is a process that must be initiated by the individual, although will never occur in our modern culture without a nudge towards questioning the assumptions involved with the theoretical physics, such as gravity or a sphere Earth. If an intelligent, honest person can be pointed in the right direction, they have a chance at understanding the truth. The initial nudge, as far as I'm concerned, and sincerely appreciate and respect, can be credited to Mr. Matt Powerland. At any rate, the individual person, each individual person, must be motivated towards in-depth research and consideration of the topic, ultimately to ferret out the truth against all odds, against all conventional so-called wisdom, and must never stop the process until they have gone through every last bit of so-called evidence which supposedly supports the conventional accepted model of the Earth being a spinning sphere. I can guarantee you that every last person who is now a card-carrying flat earther was approached with the topic at some point in their life or another, in one form or another, and they most certainly scoffed at the idea and dismissed it as ridiculous, preposterous, and probably mused about how high-tech our spherical world has become as the outdated line of thinking associated with a flat Earth theory or a horizontal horizon, harkening back to an era where people were gullible enough to believe if you sailed away too far, you'd fall off into space, for example, or that when you see the masts of ships appear above the horizon before the hole, that somehow proves we live on a sphere. And so we're trained to instantly assume all of these things, like a knee-jerk reaction, at the speed of thought, all of our training and programming, courtesy the federal school system, leads every last person on this world to react the exact same way when you simply mention the phrase, flat earth. 
even in a very casual conversation with someone you know very well. And even if that person understands that you have a decent level of intelligence. And completely, let's say it's your mother or your brother's girlfriend or, you know, a couple of random examples, they completely trust you. So you tell them, did you know that I recently concluded that our world is a stationary plane and couldn't possibly be a spinning globe like everyone on the world believes? Trust me, this sounds a lot better than, hey, bro, it's flat earth, dude. But if you ask a person in such a way that is sensible and seems logically complete, every single person in the world will react the same way. They will think about what you're saying for an instant, look towards the ceiling in thought for a split second, and then look you in the eye as if you're either stupid or joking or both, and they will begin to laugh, smile, or chuckle at you. Then they will either ask you if you're joking or assert that you're a crazy idiot or some combination of similar reactions. This is the standard, typical, common, never-failing-to-manifest reaction programmed into every last human being on the world during a phase in their life when they believed in goblins and monsters and fairies. The modern power construct has ensured that people are well indoctrinated in globularism. Yes, it's an unofficial religion that has more followers than all other religions combined, with the key to this religion being the indoctrinating process of the clueless population as early as possible during even our developmental stages. How many parents bought their babies mobiles of the solar system to hang them up their crib? I guarantee you it's in the tens of billions. This is uh, fairly compelling evidence that the deception of the globe-Earth model can be tracked back to some cross-section of our population who literally have their first memory being a compressed image of the solar system hovering around their bed. But isn't it interesting to note that babies are incredibly intelligent, although they are extremely uncoordinated and logically retarded. Babies are super intelligent in the respect that they are constantly soaking in vast amounts of unfamiliar data and over time hashing through these huge terabytes of data stored in the baby's mind for the formative years of their life which arguably continues for many years beyond the crib. But when you consider the small cross-section of the world, whose first literal memory they can recollect involves viewing a mobile above their crib, reinforcing the heliocentric model, even then, of course, the baby isn't going to make any rational sense of the mobile, but the constant looming presence of our, quote, solar system etched into the little malleable mind night after night, day after day, can form a seed of sorts. A seed of an idea which will certainly be presented to the now high school attending baby from the mobile anecdote. Will memories of those formative years, his or her very first memories in this world, being in accordance with what the science teacher is babbling about, our world being an oblate steroid pronounced at the poles, spitting over a thousand miles per hour near the equator, racing around the sun every year while the sun races around the galactic center, while the Milky Way flies at a million miles an hour, all the while, our moon, arguably the slowest body in our neighborhood of the non-existing solar system, must somehow be faster than the Earth, faster than the Sun, and even faster than the very galaxy itself during certain celestial circumstances, making the entire idea of third-generational orbital bodies such as our moon 
completely ridiculous, they're not even worth considering or rebutting because they are physically impossible and demonstrably so. People think the world being a stationary plane is some weird, bizarre theory. The irony of this position is astonishing and humorous to me because the totally nonsensical globe Earth model, which has been spoon-fed to us our entire life, to the entire world, since we were all little, literally too young to walk or speak, is considered sound and logical by the world at large. However, if you can somehow break the programming and give the topic even a slightly fair or skeptical scrutiny, you will certainly conclude that the world we all live on couldn't possibly be any sort of sphere and is indeed totally stationary. The privately owned military-industrial complex cohorts or the New World Order controlled and compromised mass media outlets and Many of the so-called alternative media outlets, owned via proxy by the same interlocking worldwide conglomerates and corporations, beyond measurable material wealth, that own all the world banking institutions, including the U.S. Federal Reserve, the World Bank, and even more than likely the very bank where you deposit your paychecks into, they're all one giant conglomerate with the sole purpose of siphoning true wealth away from the people and storing it in vast quantities in order to control everything from institutionalized religion to the institutionalized educational system, government, military powers, world trade, and media, just to name a few. All of these seemingly unrelated pillars of power and influence in our modern world have a vested interest in keeping the people of the world perpetually stuck in the status quo. Sure, the styles change, the language changes, the quality of the fake footage by NASA gets increasingly believable over the years. The Antarctic Treaty fades ever deeper into the realm of obscurity. The no man's land of our world, which has somehow been removed from our insatiable quest for intricate maps and detailed studies of the untouched regions of the world, while the average person remains focused on the grind day-to-day terror that is known as perpetual servitude to debt and ultimately subservient to the government who was originally supposed to serve the people in a very limited capacity. However, this has all been turned upside down. For all these decades since Operation High Jump and the Antarctic Treaty, how much infrastructure has been built around the outer edge of Antarctica? Thumbs up to this gentleman. Secretary has approved our plans. Confirming you, Admiral Byrd, as the officer in charge of the expedition, and you, Admiral Cruzen, as the task force commander. And we get everything we need. That makes Operation High Jump the greatest polar expedition in history. Admiral, time is going to be our greatest handicap. By the time we get through this very difficult ice pack, The summer will have ended, and the fall will have set in. Never before has anyone attempted to take a fleet of thin-skinned steel ships through 300 miles or more of crushing ice pack. I have great faith in your skill, courage, and determination. Now, gentlemen, Admiral Nimitz reviews the operation's plan. The expedition will comprise three groups a central land plane group to explore the interior from Little America, and two seaplane groups, 
the eastern to map that half of the continental shoreline, and the western to map the opposite coast of Antarctica. After the original orders have been issued, three months of planning are needed to organize the giant venture. Then rugged mountain ranges as far as the eye can see. Bunger leans forward in amazement. His eyes have caught a sudden and unbelievable change in scenery. The universal white is turned to chocolate brown dotted with blue. A cameraman goes into action. 300 square miles of land without snow. Land that might be in New Mexico or Arizona. Pictures alone will prove Bunger has discovered a warm oasis in the shadow of the pole. The warm oasis in the shadow of the pole. The warm oasis in the shadow of the pole. It is for such supreme moments as this that men brave the hardships of exploration. The astounding, undreamed-of fact is that they are over a chain of warm water lakes whose shores, except for small patches, are free of ice and snow. Commander Bunger circles the largest lake in sight, five miles long. He comes in to make a landing. Water temperatures must be recorded. Sample is taken. He finds the water fresh and temperature 38 degrees Fahrenheit. On the shores are vast deposits of coal and of minerals of the utmost importance to civilization. Bird leaves his four planes in the long climb over pressure ridge areas, heading for the polar plateau, 10,000 feet up. Below are no landing fields. Only deep crevasses. Pressure ridge is a hundred feet high. Instant destruction for a plane forced down. Bird pioneered the first South Pole flight in 1929. He applies again the practice of constant vigilance, careful calculations that assure his earlier successes. Over this cruel country, Bird flies today at three miles a minute. In earlier exploration, three miles in one day was frequently the utmost for Shackleton and Scott for Britain. Amundsen for Norway, and Bird himself for America. Safe, safe, good going. The greatest exploration flight of all history has ended in success. The flight beyond the South Pole. The flight beyond imagination. The flight beyond imagination. The flight beyond imagination. Our Western group, flying hundreds of air hours, mapped the 4,000-mile Sunset Coast, made the amazing discovery of warm land in Antarctica. In all, the expedition explored more than a million and a half square miles. Our scientists, by use of the radar magnetic detector, have pinpointed fabulous treasures and resources of great significance for all mankind. The richest and most powerful governments in the world have all been apparently so bad with finances that we managed to lose essentially all of our currency's value just a hundred years since the Federal Reserve Act, magically printing money out of thin air. The Federal Reserve level, which is exactly as federal as Kitty Cat Prostitution Ranch in Nevada, where you could pay to have sex with any woman of your choosing legally, it's exactly how federal the Federal Reserve Bank is. Now, I'm not exactly condoning whorehouses, However, the comparisons to be made between the Federal Reserve and a legal whorehouse are just too serendipitous to ignore. Whorehouses are legal in Nevada. However, whorehouses are illegal according to federal law. So in this case, the state law trumps federal law, being home to the city of the devils, probably didn't hurt Nevada's chance with the hierarchy and their minions.
The Federal Reserve Bank is illegal according to the Constitution or the pure, unadulterated law of our land. However, the Federal Reserve Bank is now technically legal according to about a dozen secretive whores known as compromised congressmen of the early 1900s, financed and controlled by the richest men of the day, such as the Rothschilds and Rockefellers, as well as our contemporary times, the Rothschilds and Rockefellers, who secretly planned and manipulated the Congress into signing the Federal Reserve Act, still persist, their bloodlines do at least, to this very day. Their treatment included bribing and tricking then-President Woodrow Wilson into allowing for the Federal Reserve Act to pass through the executive branch and ultimately manifest in reality, instantly becoming the bona fide law of the land during Christmas break when most of the Congress was completely unaware of the emergency meeting held by psychotic Talmudic Freemasons who decided it would behoove them to siphon every possible bit of real worth out of our country as possible by exclusively printing the money supply, loading it to the government at interest, allowing associated private banks to practice fractional reserve banking, which amounts to creating imaginary wealth out of thin air, somehow turning that imaginary wealth into real wealth, and then foreclosing on a property which you never paid a penny for, and now you own that property because the person you loaned the imaginary money to was unable to pay you back with real money or the debt notes of his slavery. Or, in plain English, he didn't have enough cash to pay for the house, so now the bank owns a house for which it simply invented financing for out of thin air, thanks again to the fractional reserve banking scam on the local level amongst members of FDIC, and of course the knife in the back of the American people and other nations across the world known as the financial assassination of a sovereign country by somehow convincing the people that they need a central bank and ultimately allow a situation where the central bank always ends up owning everything because they control the value of the currency. I'm sorry to carry on for so long about finances, but I'm here to tell you that this is the second most important topic of our day because we can very easily stop this entire dog and pony show known as the status quo by simply refusing to participate in the conventional fiat currency, and simply we, a sovereign people of the world, decide upon our own currency, state by state if necessary, and completely obliterate the notion of any centralized group of private banks and their investors from controlling the purse strings of our once honorable, once awesome, and once God-fearing and ultimately isolationist and Protestant Christian nation that has been stripped of its moral fabric bit by bit, incrementally over time, with increasing magnitude and frequency as the decades roll by, rendering the entire thing a mere shell of its former self. It's worth mentioning that when the Federal Reserve Act was signed into law, secretly under extremely suspect and obviously subversive circumstances, they didn't necessarily publicly launch the thing sounding trumpets to let the Americans know about the new central bank, which was supposed to prevent inflation, but has instead caused the value of our money supply to dwindle to about, well, really nothing, but about 1% to 3% of its original worth prior to the hijacking of our economy by the Rothschild-owned and operated private banks known as the legal whorehouse called the Federal Reserve Bank, and finally, the World Bank, or the City of London, 
the banking arm of the Illuminati, just as America is the war arm and the Vatican is the religious or satanic arm of the New World Order, all of these citadels or cities within cities are their own sovereign nation-states. That's Washington, D.C., the Vatican, and the city of London. All of these have been strategically placed throughout the world to perpetuate the Luciferian agenda that has swept our world with a staggering rate over the last 50 or 100 years since the Luciferians decided to reveal their hierarchy or externalize their processes, essentially making every channel on the television a recruiting tool for the satanic agenda. Now, a dollar prior to 1900 is currently worth about one to three pennies, which means that the Federal Reserve is at best an utter failure and at worst, they're our very worst domestic enemy, comfortably nestled in the upper echelons of society. And these people need to be dealt with as such, an enemy of our nation residing right here in America at the top of the pyramidal power structure that controls all levers of power and spheres of influence, and of course financing in our secular world, Really, the only difference between a whorehouse and the Federal Reserve is at least the whorehouse only f***s the people who show up and come inside. The Federal Reserve screws everyone but themselves, proverbially speaking, of course. If our military leaders or even individual members of the free press had any sort of backbone or fundamental understanding of their true duty as the protectors and watchdogs against corruption or manipulation infecting the American power structures, soldiers are supposed to protect the U.S. from all enemies, foreign and domestic, and I submit the Federal Reserve is by far the most destructive enemy the American people have ever faced, and by extension, the world at large faces a similar enemy hidden in plain sight in terms of the World Bank. At least they don't call it the Globe Bank. So there's at least some truth to the World Bank, but I digress. All of our financial and political or corporate systems, engineered by inside traders manipulating futures markets to boom and boom and boom, while the majority of people ride high for several decades until the final inevitable bust, which allows the original inside traders and manipulators to cash in on default swaps and hedge funds, you know, just days before the bust. And such a bust will always occur whenever any lie goes on for too long, be it a huge financial lie or a minor white lie, such as, don't worry, honey, the giant pimple on the side of your nose will not be in any of the wedding photographs. Okay, so that's a little bit personal anecdotal example of how any lie will eventually blow back in the face of the liar. A wise thing to consider, especially since it's carved in stone on the Ten Commandments not to bear false witness, and for obvious reasons, least of which is the blowback or bust of the lie finally coming to a head and oozing pus mixed with blood all over the place in an allegorical sense, of course. We're taught to believe that the world as it is, or the status quo, are all very normal and rational end results to a just and fair series of events. However, the status quo is actually the result of a long series of manipulative men working their backroom deals and manipulating futures markets for their own personal gain at the expense of everyone else. Hollywood movies teach our society that the good guys always win. The good guys typically murder people, often for no reason. America is always the good guys, 
the CIA is always the good guys. Presidents are always the good guys. And anyone who is not with us must be against us and therefore must be the bad guys. Either you're with us, either you love freedom, and with nations which embrace freedom, or you're with the enemy. There's no in-between. You're either with us or you're with the enemy. That's, that's clear. I will continue to make that clear. The truth is, history is a little bit more complex than that, but more importantly, history is always written by the winners, and so he who controls the present controls the past, and he who controls the past controls the future. And manipulative psychopaths love to control our minds by setting up boundaries in terms of what is possible and what is preposterous or impossible without any real study into the topic. Finally, of course, eat pluribus dunum, or a literal etymological translation of the universe, coupled with the crowning achievement of their patient work in a new world order, which starts as a screaming baby, blossoms into a young adult babysat by Barney and Spongebob, who then progress to OMDAP, Operation Make Everyone Dumb as Frogger, otherwise known as the universally distributed curriculum laden with thinly veiled as well as blatantly obvious anti-Christian tenets, while promotion of witchcraft and Luciferianism in schools, evolution and Big Bang theorem are about as anti-Christian as you can get, or, for another example, Harry Potter series, one of the most successful recruiting tools for witchcraft in the occult since the Ouija board, Harry Potter is recommended reading in many districts and is, in fact, required reading for many middle school districts here in America, where the Bible is a forbidden book, yet a book that is exactly a recruiting tool for witchcraft is not only allowed, but recommended and even required reading. When you realize that witchcraft and Satanism are indeed accredited religions and the most successful recruiting tool for the occult to date, or Harry Potter, how is it that such totally unconventional and morally repulsive religions, Catholicism certainly notwithstanding, are accepted and promoted in the New Age, even in the schools, as tolerant, attractive, almost completely ignored by the average person who thinks everyone is either a Republican or a Democrat, a Christian or a Muslim, but or but light. At any rate, these tax-free religions of self-worship, secretive and costly initiations, monthly dues, hidden agendas, which are inherently beyond the scope of the initiates, polished and presented by highly effective and extremely positive and widespread public relations, no small thanks to their half-innocent and naive neophytes and initiates, and of course the completely subverted and co-opted mass media outlets and many so-called alternative media outlets as well, who will take every chance possible to discredit Christ or mock Christians, incorporate subliminal programming that has hallmark signs of Talmudism and Kabbalism, ultimately plastered across nearly every hour of every channel, of every television, of every day, in almost every home in the world. I find it extremely alarming that rational people who have witnessed world events such as 9-11 and the Apollo missions, just to name two random examples, they don't think anything is wrong with the fact that the official stories surrounding such events are so full of incomplete logic, asinine conclusions, and outright lies, as well as omissions of critical evidence, 
skewing and fabricating other evidence, hiring insiders on the government dole to do a so-called independent investigation into the Pentagon crash, for example, or the Twin Towers or Flight 93, which was obviously shot down by military quick-response jet squadrons. Now, you and the president had earlier discussed rules of engagement for taking down a hijacked airplane, but you were the one who gave the direct order to shoot down a plane that you were told, as it turns out incorrectly, was headed for Washington, right? That's correct. What's that moment like? Well, um, it was necessary. And uh, it was a, uh, frankly, I didn't uh, pause to think about it very much because once one of those aircraft became, it was hijacked, it was a weapon. Uh, we'd seen already uh, by that time three of them go in to the Pentagon and the World Trade Center in New York. As a result, thousands died. And if we had been in a position to intercept one of those to keep it from striking its target, would we have done it? Absolutely. And what I did was pass on the uh, president's uh, approval uh, of the basic proposition that we would, in fact, uh, authorize our people to shoot down aircraft that had been hijacked and uh, refused to divert. So uh, I saw it as part of my responsibility, but I, I did it quickly because uh, we had a lot of other things we were doing at the same time. Even though NORAD was busy doing fictitious drills of hypothetical planes flying into high-profile targets during war games training exercises on the very morning of 9-11, I submit that once our semi-honorable military leaders decided to eliminate the fourth plane, which was certainly bound for another target, or perhaps it was one of the actual planes full of people which was replaced in flight by a drone, it was on its escape to safety when shot down. They would certainly be a loose end, regardless of how well-paid they might have been. When it comes to the anti-human, greedy mafia that controls U.S. politics and ultimately the military at the very top, it's much easier to simply eliminate a plane full of unsuspecting cohorts, expecting to land in Tahiti with bare-breasted welcome wagons and enormous checks to enjoy for the rest of their life, why not just shoot the plane down? In any case, and prove to the American people that our military was indeed on point that day and attempted to present evidence that we got one of four, so that ain't bad. However, the polling data showed that it was much more conducive to their agenda to spin the story about a courageous group of Americans overtaking a couple of dudes with blades the size of a spoon making emotional cell phone calls, which were physically impossible given the contemporary technology during 2001. Cell phones could not get any sort of perception above a certain altitude during that phase of technology. And Flight 93 was indeed well above that altitude when the phone calls were made. Hey, Kim, thank you. We told you a moment ago that... Uh Another uh, plane had crashed in Dayton at the VA hospital. And we're going to be going back with that soon. But there was a crash first, not to our west. Are we talking about the Pennsylvania crash first? All right. Not far to our west, there was another plane crash, a uh, hijacked plane crash in Pennsylvania. That's in uh, Shanksville, Pennsylvania. That's where uh, reporter Dick Russ is. Dick? Well, shortly before 10 a.m., a man locked in the bathroom on board United Flight 93, called that emergency dispatcher yelling the plane had been hijacked. 
The man also dispatches the plane was going down after an explosion, and that's exactly what happened. Flight 93 was heading for Camp David, that's what the report today, presidential retreat in the mountains of Maryland. Forty-five people were on board that flight. Well, the attacks also put the Akron-Canton Airport at its highest possible security level. The airport was contacted by the FAA to be prepared to land 6,000 passengers from various airlines. This sort of proves the entire soap opera about the passengers of Flight 93 overtaking the evil couple of Muslims and still managing to crash the plane directly into the ground, causing the jumbo jet to slam so steeply at an angle into the ground that it traveled in a straight line under the ground, buried itself completely underground, leaving bits and pieces of itself to be found for miles and miles scattered from the crash site, surprisingly coming from the direction of the plane's travel. Hmm. But no, that plane wasn't shot down. It sunk into the earth, of course. However, even Dick Cheney, I believe it was Dick, he mentioned during a press conference that Flight 93 was shot down, but he sort of backtracked or avoided the point, and we never really heard anything else officially about Flight 93 being shot down over Pennsylvania. You were the one who gave the direct order to shoot down a plane that you were told, as it turns out incorrectly, was headed for Washington, right? That's correct. We never really heard anything else officially about Flight 93 being shot down over Pennsylvania because the mass media outlets in conjunction with the FAA and CIA are really all federal agencies who are subservient to the conglomerate banks who own everything, tricked the entire U.S. population that the airplane crashed into the ground and then disappeared without one single body being discovered, if I'm not mistaken. There may have been some body remnants found scattered over the miles and miles of explosion trajectory from the downed aircraft. The debris here is spread over a three to four mile radius, which has now been completely sealed off and is being treated, according to the FBI, as a crime scene. Um, Governor Tom Ridge made some remarks earlier at a press conference. Uh, he had flown over the site. He said the emergency response here was immediate. He also said, and I don't know whether or not you all are able to see pictures of this, but this is one of those cases where the pictures really do tell the story, that sort of the most horrifying aspect of this particular crash scene is how little debris is visible. There is a large crater in the ground, and I'm hoping that you all are seeing it as I'm talking about it. But that's really all you see is a large crater in the ground and, and just tiny, tiny bits of debris. There's been at least one report that the uh, investigators out there, and there are hundreds of them, as I said tonight, um, have found nothing larger than a phone book. Um, I want to get qu uh, quickly to Chris Kanicki. He's a photographer with the uh, Pittsburgh affiliate of Fox Affiliate. He was back there just a couple of minutes ago, and Chris, I've seen the pictures. It looks like there's nothing there except for a hole in the ground. Uh, basically, that's right. The only thing you could see from where we were uh, was a big gouge in the earth and some broken trees. We could see some people working, walking around in the area, but from where we could see, there wasn't much left. Any large pieces of debris at all? No, there was nothing, nothing that you could distinguish that a plane had crashed there. Smoke, fire? Nothing. It was absolutely quiet. It was uh, actually very quiet. Um, nothing going on down there, no smoke, no fire. Just a couple of people walking around. They look like part of the NTSB crew, 
walking around looking at the pieces. How big would you say that hole was? Uh, from my estimates, I would guess it was probably about 20 to 15 feet. But as far as I can remember, they never recovered a single trace of the flight recorders or black boxes of any of the planes destroyed on September 11, 2001, which is the first four times in aviation history with the technologically advanced indestructible black boxes where they were never recovered. So it's worth mentioning that while the official's story claimed that the flight recorders were not found, New York City firefighters, including Nicholas DiMazzi, have written books about how they indeed recovered at least two or three flight recorders from the rubble of Ground Zero in New York. Nowhere. 
issue of a drug smuggling conspiracy revolves around this convicted drug smuggler, the late Barry Seal. Former Seal pilots spoke at a grand jury this week about whether their former boss had moved his operation from Baton Rouge, Louisiana, to Rich Mountain Aviation in Mena, Arkansas. One pilot who testified told TV5 News Rich Mountain Aviation was simply used by Barry Seal, and Seal didn't involve the company in his drug smuggling activities. But a couple years ago, other witnesses testified at a grand jury about another possible aspect of this conspiracy, money laundering. And nothing happened. Catherine Gann used to work as a secretary for Freddie Hampton of Rich Mountain Aviation. She says she handled lots of tasks for her boss, but sometimes in an extraordinary manner. I was told to deposit the large amounts of cash in uh, amounts of less than $10,000. Even if we had fifteen dollars or $20,000, I would go to two separate banks and deposit um, less than 10000 at one bank and less than 10000 at another. What she's talking about is money laundering or structuring deposits to avoid filling out one of these internal revenue service forms called a currency transaction report. I asked Fred Hampton why he wanted me to deposit it this way, and he said, IRS won't get this. We won't have to pay taxes on it. Union Bank of Mina is one of the banks that Kathy Gann was told to deposit large amounts of cash. One Union Bank employee told TV5 News that on one occasion, a former bank official divided the cash for Rich Mountain Aviation and personally went to different tellers and had each of them deposit $10,000 into the Rich Mountain Aviation account. Catherine Gann gave testimony to an IRS agent about the illegal practice, but found that when she appeared before a grand jury, it asked no questions about the money laundering. When I left there, I was wondering, as I walked down the hall, I wondered, well, why did they bring me up here? In the meantime, the fact that she gave testimony has caused her to live in fear. I, I kept waiting and waiting to hear from somebody, and I was scared all this time. I didn't know what was going to happen to me. And, you know, I knew that, that his truck had been outside my house. I was scared for my girls. People close to this issue wonder why such a cut-and-dried case failed to produce indictments. The former Polk County Sheriff has lost faith in the process of justice. We really have, uh, do not have a great deal of confidence in, in the function of the federal criminal justice system at this time. The deal? The government kept Barry Seal out of jail, and in exchange, Seal became a drug informant and helped put in jail some of his own associates in the international drug trade. But that wasn't all that Barry Seal did. Russell Welch, criminal investigator for the Arkansas State Police. Did Barry Seal ever say to you, I work for the CIA? He said he was working, I worked for the CIA. Unit 5 has learned in the early 1980s, even before his arrest, Seal had bought one of his planes from a CIA front, Air America. The plane was used by Seal for drug smuggling, and the CIA company was paid in the traditional drug dealer fashion of $300,000 in cash. According to this confidential FBI teletype obtained by Unit 5, one of Seal's associates said he was maintaining Seal's aircraft at the MENA airport for the CIA. So what was Barry Seal actually doing? One federal agent under uh, very uh, strict confidence uh, told me that it was assumed within his agency Barry Seal was uh, carrying guns to Central American Exchange, was bringing drugs back on a free ride. 
Russell Welch of the Arkansas State Police was one of dozens of investigators who for years had been tracking Barry Seal and his associates. As these documents obtained by Unit 5 indicate, the FBI, the IRS, Customs, then the Attorney General of Louisiana formed just a partial list of those who wanted some answers. They didn't get them. Internal FBI documents indicate investigators were told not to look into any of SEAL's activities that occurred before his 1984 plea agreement. So, blocked from seeking indictments against SEAL, investigators sought indictments against SEAL's associates at the MENA airport for allegedly aiding in the drug smuggling and for alleged IRS violations. So far, no indictments have been produced. At the end of this year, the statute of limitations will run out on those alleged crimes. As for Barry Seal, time ran out in 1986 when he was assassinated in Louisiana by Colombian drug dealers. Some of Seal's secrets died with him, but some of those secrets today remain guarded by the National Security Council, the agency for which Oliver North worked. The NSC has blocked a recent congressional request to examine the relationship of drug smuggling to American foreign policy in Central America. As a citizen, America didn't get stay in court. A huge point most people fail to see is that all government bodies are in collusion, just like all mass media outlets are in collusion, as well as the churches, educational and monetary systems. All of these seemingly different assorted groups across the world are ruled from the top down, again, like a pyramid of power, with the laymans or the neophytes or the initiates at the bottom, totally oblivious and entertained or divided in order to control them, while the useless organizations such as the CIA or NASA or the Federal Reserve Bank pillage the rightful wealth of the sovereign American people in most civilized nations as well, and will stop at nothing to continue with the status quo, where they don't need to produce a single thing or perform a single function in society, yet consistently get greater and greater amounts of real property and perpetual slaves, the people, all of our true wealth as a nation traded for a worthless series of green pieces of paper which have mesmerized every living being in our country and decreased in value to the point to where it is essentially totally worthless, couple that with the fact that every single dollar has a bit of debt attached to it since it was loaned to the government by a private bank at interest, and the government uses the tax revenue of the working class people as collateral for the loan. I got to tell you, this is the most ridiculous method of managing a nation's currency you could possibly imagine, unless you're one of those people on top collecting the interest on every single dollar ever printed, then it's working great. But for the rest of us, you know, the 99.9% .9 of us, that includes every single person watching this video, uh, we've been taken for complete fools. And up to this point, we've deserved every ounce of the financial and industrial beating we've taken over the last hundred years, and I'll tell you why. The founders of our nation, although they were mostly Freemasons, agreed. They knew, however, that the central banks and satanic religious zealots known as the Catholic Church hierarchy would certainly try to creep into positions of power, and so our republic was set up with specific checks and balances to ensure that power was spread out amongst the people and that the government was intended to provide limited services to the people and at the people's convenience and behest. 
there have certainly been many pivotal points in history, and the signing of the Federal Reserve Act in secret in 1913 was amongst the most profound in terms of long-lasting and ever-expanding pillaging and manipulation of the sovereign innocent trusting a bit naive people of the world. But that, I submit, is one of the worst pivotal acts of history. To make matters worse, not only does the Federal Reserve simply invent money out of thin air to loan to our government at interest, but every single dollar deposited into an FDIC bank allows the bank to loan out 10 times that amount to private borrowers. In other words, FDIC banks are legally allowed to invent money out of thin air and loan out money that doesn't actually exist, charge you interest on the money that you borrowed and worked to earn and pay back, which again, the initial capital was created out of thin air, so you just became a slave to the bank. And if you missed the sleight of hand, I'll go over it again. But by accepting and participating in this totally illogical and unsustainable scam, you create a situation where the most worthless element of our society, or the banks, or the government, have literally turned the average working class person into a perpetual debt slave. We all work our butts off to pay back money, which never existed in the first place. I know this can be sort of hard to understand at first, but this is how simple it is, and all Americans should be furious. I'd be floored about this. Yet, most people simply ignore the topic because they believe it's another nonsensical conspiracy theory. I'm so tired of that phrase, but we need to bring this topic to the forefront of our generation, along with many, many other topics. Now, I'm going to move away from the modern heist of the entire world, but on a last point on this topic, let's say, hypothetically, a bank has exactly zero dollars in its vaults. It has zero assets of value and produces exactly nothing of value to return to the community and enhance our society in general. The banks are totally worthless. Well, they're actually one of the most successful distributors of lollipops, but they probably have some backdoor deal with the lollipop manufacturers where they insert some sort of addictive drug into the lollies to keep people coming back to the bank and ensure that the little tots who visit with their mom in the minivan, always get a healthy dose upon every visit, ensuring the children will eventually bank there when they become mindless drones, driving around in a daze without a clue as to why they always have an urge to pop into the bank on the way home, even though they have no reason to do so. Maybe it's the lollipops. Okay, so that's probably a bit of an exaggeration, but I honestly wouldn't be surprised, nor would I put it past them. Stranger things have been known to happen, just as a precedent of this point, one of the original secret proprietary ingredients in Coca-Cola was cocaine. You can look that up, it's actually true. So the banking scheme, being fairly well caught with this proverbial pants down, yes, they wipe their bums with $100 bills, it's true. But it brings up an extremely significant point and sets an even more compelling precedent. If a small group of men can trick the world into going along with a system that ensures the vast majority of the population does more work for less pay, while a small group of the richest men in the world constantly increase their already vast and limitless wealth on a daily basis, 
using a series of interlocking, fail-safe, redundant schemes which are totally immoral and unconstitutional, however, are now completely legal because they were simply slipped into one agenda or another, lobbied into existence, and over time, due to their absolute control over the monetary supply, and therefore absolute control over corruptible men, which describes at least 90% of all politicians. Normal, average people do not crave power or prestige. Average people care to raise their family and enjoy their life. This is why, during the era of ancient Greece, the members of the Senate or similar bodies of power, the Athenians used a method called sortition, which essentially picks random citizens to fill certain roles or hold certain seats of power for a limited duration. And I think this was an extremely interesting and wise method to filter psychopaths out of most political systems. I strongly believe that the people who would make the best rulers would never have a lust for power or never have a want to rule. They wouldn't possess a craving to rule over people, and therefore that would make them good rulers. I submit that anyone who tenaciously lusts after power should be automatically disqualified from the position of power they're applying for. I think this should apply for police officers, anyone who chooses a career path that involves invading, attacking, violating, arresting, and ultimately imprisoning complete strangers day in and day out, should be automatically disqualified from becoming a police officer. Video we rarely see, Fort Worth police on camera raiding a drug house. But tonight, a family says this video raises questions about the death of a man inside. Police used a taser on Jermaine Darton during that raid last May. He died, records show, of natural causes. But his family says his civil rights were violated. Channel A's Todd Unger tonight is in the Fort Worth newsroom. He's got more on that. Todd. John, good evening. Like you said, Darden, the man in question here, well, he does have a criminal past. He even had K2 in his system, according to an autopsy. What he did not have, says his sister, was a chance to live. Like a lot of drug raids, police bust in without a lot of notice. But for the man in the white tank top, things go from bad to worse quickly. Fort Worth officers suddenly deployed tasers, striking Jermaine Darden twice, moments after coming in. Here it is from another officer's camera angle. Even now when I watch it, I break down. Because I don't see where there was a reason for him to die. Darden's sister says the police video shows what their family suspected all along. The man who suffered from asthma was roughed up by officers for no justifiable reason. At one point, you hear other suspects telling officers Darden has breathing trouble. His family says he has always needed to sit and even sleep at an upright angle, which clearly isn't happening as officers keep him pinned to the ground. But according to six inches of police documents associated with the tasing, Darden was, quote, actively resisting officers and, quote, did not show any signs of having an asthma attack. You can see him struggling with police here. There also was a delay in getting paramedics to the scene. We don't have an active caller. A MedStar crew stationed only a mile away had to be requested three times. During that time, Darden went unresponsive. He had a right to breathe. He had a right to live. He doesn't have it. That was taken from him. Police did find drugs at the scene and kids in the house. But Darden's family says despite that evidence, 
the camera footage itself is evidence there was no need for him to die. Todd Unger, Channel 8 News. Being arrested and ultimately imprisoning complete strangers day in and day out should be automatically disqualified from becoming a police officer. And as far as I'm concerned, you could probably just line that person up against the wall and shoot them. But anyway, the servants of our society have been illegally granted a greater amount of power than they were ever intended to possess and are likewise incapable of properly utilizing that power, yet are encouraged to abuse their power in many manifestations up to and including murdering an innocent person. Yet the police officer is often completely excused of all consequences for breaking written and natural laws which they obviously break on a daily basis, and many police officers have been caught red-handed murdering people, and they got a couple of weeks off with pay, then simply relocated to another district to avoid some, you know, possible public spectacle, like, though, I don't know, bumping into the father of the boy that the officer murdered, that probably wouldn't end well. Likewise, in the military, nestled in the tip-top of the PSYOP military program, Lieutenant Colonel Michael Aquino, who is well-known to be the founder of the Luciferian Temple of Set, which is just another Talmudic, anti-Christian, worshiping worshippers of themselves and demons and gay statues or whatever. At any rate, Michael Aquino was accused, I believe multiple times, of acting, well, let's just say he was acting like a total pedophile and a weirdo when it came to little boys and allegations of molestation and rape were brought to his superiors. Of course, the military did the swift and strict admirable thing, and they relocated him to a different base where he could continue doing exactly what he was doing before, just in a different town on a different base. In case you were wondering, PSYOPs is a real thing. It's psychological operations. It's a real thing in the U.S. military. And the founder of the Temple of Set, Michael Aquino, who's been accused on multiple occasions of molesting and or fondling little boys, is operating to this day in the U.S. military with a cushy salary and a nice lifelong pension waiting for him. This is just my opinion, but it wouldn't surprise me whatsoever if Michael Aquino hasn't murdered at least one innocent little boy in his essentially lifelong career in the U.S. military completely free to do whatever he wants under the freedom of religion or tolerance built into the military. Well, of course, if you're talking about Satanism or esoteric capitalism or Talmudic rites, there's tolerance. But as far as tolerance for Christianity in the military, well, they're about as tolerant as Leno is to big chin jokes. So that would be extremely intolerant to Christianity. Interesting side note, if I'm not mistaken, Michael Aquino was significantly involved with the true story behind the film with, who was it, I think, Clooney or Pitt, I don't know. This is a film called Men Who Stare at Goats. And if I'm not mistaken, Aquino was somehow involved with a project where these soldiers were led to believe they could kill a goat by simply willing it. The validity to the story comes into serious question when Michael Aquino gloats about essentially squandering $20 million for a huge waste of time and gloats on his blog, The 600 Club. Those pedophiles sure love their clubs, don't they? But I'll, I'll quote this esteemed military man who inspired the film, The Men Who Stare at Goats, 
gloating how easy and typical it is for military projects to magically make huge amounts of money disappear. I submit this is the only worthwhile magic trick that weird, perverted little boy raper, allegedly, is capable of. So here's the quote from Michael Aquino's 600 Club. Quote, $20 million evaporates every day for far less frisky and fun reasons. Now it all should make for a lively movie to boot. He was speaking of the awful movie with Clooney, which was given all the hype of a blockbuster and was about as entertaining as watching Aquino get his eyebrows waxed, which would certainly be painful, arduous, dangerous operation, to be sure. I mean, that dude has some eyebrows that would make Mr. Spock lose his temper and jealousy. But all these points being made, isn't it amazing that the average people sit in jail for 25 years for merely possessing the wrong type of herb or making a mistake when they were young, confused, brainwashed child, ignorant of the consequences of their actions or false accusations in many cases, which led them to become imprisoned for their entire formative and early adult life. One of my very close friends growing up had a cousin who was convicted of first-degree murder back in the 1990s when he was a wild, ignorant, brainwashed, possibly demon-possessed, very troubled soul. He was a bully, to be sure, and it honestly didn't surprise me to learn that he had murdered someone. Um, although I was friends with him, and he, as everyone else, had redeeming qualities, I think it's important to have strict punishments to fit the crime. Spending 25 years or more in prison for murdering another human being, it was a drug deal gone bad in this situation, but that seems to be you know, somewhat fair of a punishment or at least within the ballpark of fair. But to put a person to death for murdering another person only perpetuates murder, as far as I'm concerned, and can often deprive innocent men from living their lives, but can also deprive guilty men from mending their ways and seeking forgiveness and expressing their regrets to the family of the one that they murdered. But... To lock up a young, ignorant person for 10 or 20 years for merely possessing or intending to distribute certain chemical or flora substances, intending to distribute certain chemical substances, is unconstitutional. And I submit that certain elements of our government are importing most, if not all, hardcore drugs like cocaine and heroin into the U.S. via black budget groups such as the CIA and the like. And there's plenty of evidence to back these claims, including the testimonials of insiders like Chip Tatum and intricate mysteries surrounding the Clinton murders in Arkansas. Jumping back right quick to the recruiters of the modern police force, to make matters worse, anyone above average intelligence or particularly sympathetic or attuned to human compassion will summarily be disqualified from enlisting giving one bogus reason or another, such as overqualified for the position or unsuited for the environment, if they display certain characteristics, such as, I don't know, compassion, intelligence, critical thinking skills, or any degree of distrust or even a questioning of authority or independent critical thought. This is why most of the police officers you will ever encounter are devoid of any semblance of compassion or humanity as they are specifically selected for their behavioral patterns which tend to make them act that way 
and will very typically be short-tempered, ignorant psychopaths with very little regard for anyone other than themselves, and who seem to think they actually have some authority over the sovereign population and are indoctrinated into a system that allows them to totally disregard the rights of the individual, which are guaranteed to us by God himself, and are trained to consider us their inferiors and their enemies. All of these different anecdotes boil down to a single common denominator. Deceptive, manipulative men, psychopaths, who possess the cunning, charm, callous, and lack of empathy, which can be tested or screened for, they find it very easy to climb their way to the tops of power structures, and the satanic cults or Masonic lodges are no exception to this rule of power-hungry, psychotic men who work together in secret, behind closed doors, in the upper echelons of their ivory towers, spanning the world as apparently unrelated groups, but with an occult common agenda, always thinking of new schemes to increase their wealth and power at the detriment to the rest of the world. We're in the final stages of a coup d'etat of the American government, and while the rest of the world is certainly aware of the conventional narrative, it is time for the truth to be spread across the minds of all nations, especially the United States. If we can have a total corruption and deception in the military, in the monetary system, in the government, in the educational system, even the food supply, think Monsanto, slick trade deals like NAFTA and CAFTA, domestic corporations shipping their manufacturing efforts overseas because the American tax climate is too volatile, Entire cities, such as Detroit, going completely bankrupt. The American Dental Association tricking the entire world into constantly using sodium fluoride, a neurotoxin, to clean their teeth. Decades of energy crises, when diesel engines have had the ability to run on peanut oil or refined fryer grease for literally decades, starting during the World War II era. $3 a gallon gas not that long ago, when Tom Ogle and Stan Meyer used a modified version of the Winnipeg carburetor to run internal combustion engines on water vapor even as early as the 60s. Corporations being set up for the sole purpose of profiting from the imprisonment of the American citizens. Unconstitutional laws such as the Patriot Act being signed after 9-11. A never-ending war on terrorism that our black operations teams will ensure never end seeing how Osama bin Laden was indeed CIA-trained and funded and was possibly played by Barack Obama on TV years before his you know, appearance into the world stage, certainly years before his uh, position as president. just so happens that Obama killed Osama many years later. However, ISIS was also CIA-trained and funded armed as well, and ultimately controlled from the top down in a pyramidal power structure with a compromised figurehead at the top of ISIS with all the money, connections, and clout allow for organizations such as ISIS to appear to be grassroots movements of fundamental Muslim, you know, fundamentalist Muslims, but are instead co-opted agent provocateurs delving out orders from the top down, just how they operate.
Now, in another example of something similar, the very same government, you know, Obama, these people have been caught red-handed supplying Mexican drug cartels with military equipment and munitions. Take a look at Operation Fast and Furious, not the movie with Vin Diesel, but this same government who staged 9-11, the same government and media who staged Sandy Hook and the Boston bombings, the same government that told us Pearl Harbor was a sneak attack, but it absolutely was not, which happened to glean the American support needed for war in Europe during World War II, the same government that tricked us into backing the Vietnam War by using the completely contrived and fallacious event known as the Gulf of Tonkin incident, which actually never happened. The same government that would have the entire world believe that we're on the brink of nuclear annihilation during the entire 80s if Gorbachev had a bad hair day. The same government who has been keeping thousands and thousands of dirty secrets from the American people for many decades. Every year we find out more and more truths thanks to the Freedom of Information Act for example, CIA MK Ultra mind control programs, LSD tests on entire unwitting populations as well as soldiers. A typical drill sergeant ordered his men to fall in. Officer ordered the leader to drill the squad. He responded with, You want to drill? 
and all world military powers have secretly been in collusion at least since the 1950s when they all signed the Antarctic Treaty, making the southernmost region of the world off-limits in terms of free geodetic surveying or frontiering and homesteading, for example, a natural right to all humans, which has been directly removed and violated by the Antarctic Treaty. It is against the laws of God and nature to prohibit the entire world from freely exploring a totally untouched, or supposedly untouched, huge portion of the world. In fact, the Antarctic, as it is called, is for all intents and purposes larger than all other landmasses combined. We're not talking about a little ice cap on the bottom of the globe. That's only at the so-called North Pole at the center of the map. The Antarctic encompasses all of the oceans and land masses of the world. So we're talking about an area that would dwarf any continent by many orders of magnitude. Our world being a stationary plane is a simple fact that has been right in front of our faces for the course of our entire lives. All children are aware that our world is perfectly still, but are systematically convinced, often kicking and screaming, that the false, delusional, nonsensical matrix of reality with the people walking around on planet Earth stuck to the side of a spinning sphere, never feeling the inertial effects of axial rotation, compounded by orbital rotation, compounded by solar orbital velocities, and constant changes in direction, finally rendered so very preposterous by adding the Galactic centers travel through space as a fixed frame of reference, essentially a supermassive black hole being compelled to fly through space whilst keeping all the stars and planets and moons somehow fixed to that frame of reference as the said orbital satellites often travel in opposite directions as the motion of the galaxy. And in many cases, the said celestial bodies are in specific changes in direction and velocity it's extremely hard to believe that these theoretical bodies in motion would be compelled to maintain their perfect position in the galactic or solar flame.
maintain their perfect position in the galactic or solar plane. Modern astronomy is an outdated system of well-meaning stargazers who drank the Kool-Aid and believed that since they can apparently view spheres in the sky, then therefore we must live on a sphere in the sky. The incomplete logic such as this, to me, is so hilarious, I often find myself rolling on the floor laughing when I read the comments of some of the newest debunkers of the flat earth who have apparently never studied the flat earth or stationary plane model for a single microsecond. I put together a few of my favorite debunkings of the flat earth real quick. I'm not going to include names because I don't want to embarrass anyone, but it's important to me that we understand the level of intelligence that we're dealing with. So we'll try to keep things as simple as much as possible, or we'll lose a major portion of any audience after about 10 minutes. So number one, you flat earthers are so stupid. You do realize that it's nighttime in China while it's daytime in the United States. How the hell do you retarded, science-denying flat earthers explain that one, huh? This comment is actually more, oh, end quote there. Uh, this comment is actually more common than you think. Um, I find this one particularly funny because the author of this comment, you know, pick one, but they have obviously assumed that most people in the world didn't understand that we have day and night here on Earth. His assumption that we didn't understand the problem he was pointing to obviously proves that he was totally under the impression that the rational, civilized world was not aware of a little thing called daytime as its opposite, nighttime. Apparently, you know, the people that make this comment or debunk the flat earth using this logic, uh, apparently, you know, they're geniuses because they disprove the flat earth by mentioning the, the words day and night, really, rolling on the floor laughing. So uh, here's another one. I'm a flight engineer, you effing idiot. I fly around the world all the time, and when we head east, we always end up back where we started eventually and never flew off the edge of the world when we go east. So you are a moron in the earth as a globe. Now, the flight engineer wasn't nearly as polite as I portrayed in that statement. However, some of my subscribers have asked me to tone down the cussing. They like to have their kids watch some of my videos. So um, I just, you know, let's just say that the guy wasn't nearly as polite as that. Um, it was actually rather vulgar and pompous in its virtual tone. But again, the flight engineer had never considered the true, correct flat Earth model, which is 100% typical of all people claiming to debunk the truth, as he would know that east is simply a right angle to north and south. And by making minor course corrections on the flat Earth, a plane heading east, maintaining a relatively consistent latitude and altitude, will eventually describe a circle on a flat surface. Number three, here's another one, Columbus. Oh, and I've actually had Harvard professors who were on advisory boards to NASA state this one. Columbus saw the masts of ships appear before the holes of the ships appeared. So even Columbus, the Freemasonic murderer, knew that we lived on a globe. Ah, yes, good old Columbus, Christopher Cologne the man who single-handedly discovered America when he was looking for India, just like Al Gore invented the Internet. And I just discovered your bank account and your house, plus the beer in your fridge and the leftover lasagna. Oh, it's not homemade lasagna? 
Well, they get your wife downstairs to cook me some lasagna from scratch right now. I mean, I discovered your house and all this lasagna, and I discovered your wife. Uh, you know, so that's mine. Now, tell that woman to fix my some lasagna now. No, I'm kidding. Okay, so you know what? I, I think I just discovered your wife, so she's mine now, and I'm going to chop off your hands and string you up to the kid's swing set out back. I'm Christopher Columbus, and I discovered your house and your wife, and even your lasagna was discovered by me, so it's mine because I'm Christopher Columbus, and I was sent to India to claim houses in lasagna for the Queen of Spain. So all that aside, if you study the vertical lines, such as the masts of large ships, how they behave as they increase their distance from your eye, when the top of the mast goes beyond the vanishing point of the hole, it creates an optical illusion due to the vanishing point of the hole being closer to you, the observer, line of sight, say six feet above the sea level. So it's very laughable, preposterous, and easily debunked once you do realize the truth about the world, and if you understand the true laws of perspective. We've all been brought up to accept that the most bizarre and asinine theoretical model of the world has been true and correct, but that isn't even the start of it. You see, along with teaching the five- and six-year-old students, and often younger students, Unfortunately, it has been revealed to be a complete lie, just like everything else official, causing so many loopholes, even the most avid roller coaster enthusiast would vomit at the sight of. This is truly the case, however, we've been tricked by pretty facade. And just speaking of things official real quick, it's very difficult to stay clear of the 9-11 tangent in any discussion because so much of our modern situation is a result of the events which unfolded just just over 14 years ago, actually. Uh, even the so-called Christian music industry has been co-opted by psychopathic, capitalistic, profit-driven, profit as in money, not as in prophetic. Um, and so, really, I mean, there, there's no argument I can think of against the notion that basically all spheres of power and influence in our world have been overrun or co-opted, or at least are in the process of it, if not totally overrun. So, uh, would you take a totally unproven theorem such as evolution and gravity and teach them as facts when they are, in reality, theoretical impossibilities that have been completely debunked? Very recently, facts, proving that the entire world has been successfully misled into firmly believing in a totally contrived model of the universe where our awesome and unique world on the ground, our world has no rival in the cosmos that comes close to the significance of Earth. The world is magnificent in its massive scope and diversity of life and terrain, a stationary plane around which all the celestial bodies orbit. The only stationary plane in all of existence, as far as we can see, the celestial bodies going in orbit in great circles, concentric with the North Pole overhead. Absolute truth or absolute righteousness are replaced with the moral and intellectual cop-out of all things being relative, including the opposing ideas of right and wrong, or good and evil, as two primal examples of how relativism theoretically excuses us from the consequences of, you know, doing the right thing or doing the wrong thing. Well, 
nature has a way of balancing things out. It's called karmic justice. But if you do the right thing, good things will come to you. And if you do the wrong thing, it will be, you know, paid back to you tenfold. And that's just the way it works. Uh, but one of the tenets of Satanism or the occult in general is that there is no moral absolute or there are no moral absolutes. And if your plans involve questionable or even despicable or anti-human, totally unrighteous atrocities, then you're somehow justified by your religion, which is your free choice here in America. But you're justified by the notion that any action can be justified as morally acceptable if the proper amount of pre-programming and dehumanization of the enemy is conducted, repeated, and spread across imagination land, also known as the conventional paradigm, which most people believe to be indisputable, true, and correct, although they have never properly scrutinized the topic at hand, be it the sphere earth ridiculous theory of evolution which asserts that our species was developed over millions of years of competing chimpanzees or orangutan gradually morphing into modern men this myth that has been dispelled completely much like the globe earth lie has been dispelled completely yet it continues to be taught in all schools the Luciferian controlled federal education system, which has been designed over the years to ensure the entire population completely misunderstands just about all of physical science and history, it gives them awards or scholarships and futures for conforming to the conventional paradigm even more stringently than the next chapter. Beyond this, the mind-controlled slave living on prison planet Earth will often move on to college where they might, you know, become an astrophysicist, old enough to be taught the lie programmed into the minds of the gullible children of the world, who grow up to be the irrational non-thinkers for the world, vehemently denying the natural observations of all children. The common reaction that people execute when they are first presented with the actual verified facts surrounding our world's lack of motion and curvature. It's a thousand percent typical to have a person without a single clue as to what we're talking about try to challenge the theory or challenge the truth or debunk the truth with some often repeated nonsensical lie. I challenge all my subscribers to choose one single person, if you haven't already done this, but just choose one single person, either a random stranger, say at a bar setting, or at a casual sports bar, or whatever, at the mall. Find a random stranger, or even a person in your family or circle of friends who you care about, who's just one person, just pick a person, and confront them with the evidence in such a way as I did a moment ago. You know, don't say, hey, bro, it's a flat earth, because that's only going to set you back. But again, say something, you know, calmly and rationally, like, hey, did you hear the news about the world being a stationary plane, and NASA has been caught lying to the world since its very inception? Now, most people will ask, what the f*** does that mean? What are you talking about, Mavis? Then you can say, dude, our world is flat and stationary. It's been proven. 
But at least if you approach them initially with a rational question about verified news, just because it's not on MSN or Fox doesn't not make it news. I submit the mainstream outlets are actually the opposite of what the press was intended to be or the opposite of news. That the free press was intended to be the perpetual watchdog for the people, an unwritten fourth branch of government, which was supposed to hold public officials accountable. I love that. That's adorable. So we had a little debate this morning. We did, did you see how he put his toilet paper roll? He put it over. I believe the proper way to do it and the way it should be done and the only way it should be done is under. It's easier and much more accessible. Over is confusing. Under, look how easy, oh, look how easy it is. Anyway, well, <laughs> this is a cheap toilet paper. All right, Let me know when you get it. Light them all up. Come on, fire. Hey, Roger. Yeah, show. But the initially, yeah, but show what you did. I, you can be able to see. I folded it nicely. Of course, she did. It's hard to tell, but there are little creases. Like, and then you put a little thing on. Then she put a sticker. <laughs> see. Stable defense element. Got that white thing. That's a weapon. Yeah. Two two six three zero twenty things and asked what they thought. 
it's it's preposterous that they don't know what's happened to this money. This situation's a disgrace. It tells me that we can't meet our constitutional obligations to the taxpayers of our country to make sure that things are honestly and legally spent. What do you think? Did she take a shot at one? I think so. Bring it, Brittany. What was the, what was the tagline? Come on. What's the tagline? Doesn't make any sense. Doesn't <laughs> We have invited Brittany Spears to Does come it? on this program. Showdown. <laughs> Here we go. All right, before we go, we found a woman has nothing but a great time. I think it's going to take a period of years to, to, to sort it out. I think it'll probably take the cooperation of the Congress. Uh, to, to try to get the system so that you can actually manage the financial aspects of that institution rather than simply report on things that have happened imperfectly. It is an incredible thing that we arm the world and then turn around and come to Congress and say, look at all these weapons out there. They're almost superior to ours. They're comparable to ours. Well, of course they are. They're ours. We sold them to them. Oh, besides, this, they wanted to show their kids how to I do it. that song by <laughs> Anyway, so he wanted to do it through social media. So check out how he teaches them to change a toilet paper. Morning, keep walking by, and one of them has a weapon. Roger, receive The free press was intended to be the perpetual watchdog for the people, an unwritten fourth branch of government, which with officials accountable for their actions and was intended to keep the public informed as to world events. Of course, over time, the mainstream media outlets have become merged into just a small handful of five or six companies that own all the major media outlets, including the big budget movie companies and music labels, all of the, you know, quote-unquote, conflicting news stations, for example, Fox and MSN, are for all intents and purposes owned by the same group of people via proxy, of course, at the very upper echelons of the power structure where all of these megabanks converge. News is supposed to be the factual, important, accurate information that questions what our elected officials are doing and scrutinizes their actions terms of performance in office, or to blow the whistle on obviously unconstitutional decrees such as the Patriot Act or Jade Helm. The media is silent about this because the media is owned by the same group of people who are above the political system and above the monetary system and above the military-industrial complex. And these very few people have twisted the unwritten fourth branch of government which is supposed to be a network of intelligent, skeptical, vocal observers of the operations of government with the prime directive of keeping the population, the true rulers of this republic, in the loop. It would necessarily hold any public official's feet to the fire should they display corrupt or treasonous behavior. A lot of people don't realize this, but treason is a very strong offense and is often punishable by death even to this day. Our U.S. military has taken a solemn oath to defend our once great, now fallen nation against all enemies, foreign and domestic. Isn't that odd that such an oath is taken by our overwhelmingly decent soldiers 
and it is therefore our military's first and foremost duty to protect the American people, while the vast majority of our military forces are spread out all over the world, policing this area, financially terrorizing that area, bombing this other area, spying on these guys, trying to get deals from those guys, always greasing the palms to get favors. Yeah, you know how politics works, and of course the military is just the uh, guard dogs or the, uh, you know, the force behind the politics. But the news outlets were intended to disseminate the truth throughout the population. And while the world media was in decades past a vast assortment of different companies and cooperatives, independent businesses with uh, sharp entrepreneurs and skilled writers and researchers, talented editors and producers with the goal of scrutinizing our servant class governmental workers, but most importantly, we had a diversity of such independent sources of information and competition in terms of sleuthing and independent journalism. The politicians of 100 years ago were held to far higher standards in terms of fulfilling their campaign oaths or promises. And this has dwindled down to the point where campaign oaths amount to something out of Animal House. Picture John Belushi stating, if you elect me, free cakes for everyone, and we'll all get AIDS. I gave my love a cherry that had no stone. I gave my love a chicken that had no bone. I gave my love a story that had no We all know that a campaigning president is by definition a president which is lying and pandering to become president, telling people exactly what their polling data tells them that particular group of people wants to hear. And fast forward to 2015 and even the free press, the unwritten fourth branch of government, you know, in the past has been comprised of the brightest writers and sharpest independent investigators with the sole purpose of keeping tabs on our elected officials, the servants of the people, along with the wittiest columnists, most cunning entrepreneurs, and finally, even they have been bought out, co-opted and merged into the mega conglomerate that converges with all other hierarchical structures of power in the world. And as a side note, I submit the garbage found on TV and modern mega films are nowhere near as fulfilling or enjoyable or educational as most of the work done by individual independent filmmakers on YouTube. So I, I think, um, you know, that's an interesting uh, observation to make how, you know, media was once filled with lots of different independent uh, entities. They all converged into one conglomerate, and now we have you know, an even more diverse uh, sample of independent entities producing content. So, way to go, YouTube. 
at any rate, in order uh, for a normal, sane, rational person to simply consider the evidence that we're pointing to in terms of the world being a stationary plane, one must first break the programming, which is sort of a catch-22. However, we can get past it if we can get the person's attention for a moment and demonstrate right quick how preposterous and nonsensical the spherical Earth heliocentric model actually is. When you come to realize this, the same point applies to all of the people calling themselves scientists. It's a rather depressing and ironic fact, but it's unfortunately the plain truth. So, in other words, even the scientists must break the programming. And I should say, actually, especially the scientists need to break the programming because they're in it far deeper than the average Joe. Science is supposed to be an unbiased, unbridled quest for ultimate truth, testing any and all hypotheses to verify their validity scrutinize all aspects of the subject using repeatable logical experiments and ultimately prove or alternately discredit any premise. We must always use keen observation and repeatable experiments to prove or disprove one premise or another. Discarding hypotheses which do not jive with reality is the most important step in the process, however, if you remove the ability for an entire world full of people to see reality as it truly is, science is a rather noble and pure concept in its idealistic, if naive, form. We're led to believe that science is a uh, course of study and an ever-expanding, compounded body of vast knowledge and correctness and ultimately truth that gets bigger and bigger, better and better as the years go by. Each subsequent leap in science is apparently a huge advance above and beyond its measly predecessors. The science delusion is the belief that science already understands the nature of reality in principle, leaving only the details to be filled in. This is a very widespread belief in our society. It's the kind of belief system of people who say, I don't believe in God, I believe in science. It's a belief system uh, which has now been spread to the entire world. But there's a conflict in the heart of science between science as a method of inquiry based on reason, evidence, hypothesis, uh, and collective investigation, and science as a belief system or a worldview. And unfortunately, the worldview aspect of science has come to inhibit and constrict the free inquiry, which is the very lifeblood of the scientific endeavor. Since the late 19th century, um, science has been conducted under the aspect of a belief system or worldview, which is essentially that of materialism, philosophical materialism. And the sciences are now wholly owned subsidiaries of the materialist worldview. I think that as we break out of it, uh, the sciences will be regenerated. What I do in my book, The Science Delusion, which is called Science Set Free in the United States, um, is take the ten dogmas or assumptions of science and turn them into questions, seeing how well they, turn, how well they stand up if you look at them scientifically. None of them stand up very well. 
What I'm going to do is first run through what these ten dogmas are, and then I'll only have time to discuss one or two of them in a bit more detail. But essentially the ten dogmas, which are the default worldview of most educated people all over the world, are first that nature is mechanical or machine-like. The universe is like a machine. Animals and plants are like machines. We're like machines. In fact, we are machines. We are lumbering robots, in Richard Dawkins' vivid phrase, with brains that are genetically programmed computers. Second, matter is unconscious. The whole universe is made up of unconscious matter. Um, there's no consciousness in stars, in galaxies, in planets, in animals, in plants, and there ought not to be any in us either, if this theory is true. Um, so a lot of the philosophy of mind over the last hundred years is being trying to prove that we're not really conscious at all. Uh, I just went through a whole week. I was at TED. I'm a TED fellow this year. And I went through a whole week of people telling me what to do, where to be. And it was like being at a fucking Scientology summer camp. It was horrible. Yeah, tell me what the fuck happened. They told you that you, you, you can't leave? Yeah, like before you go, they're like, you need to participate in TED. You need to be there. I'm like, all right, cool. Like, I'm, I figure... Like minds are reasonable. If you have to do something in L.A., you can go do something in L.A. Right. I gave them like four or five days of my time. Like I was there every single 13 hours. Like every day they have 13 hours of fucking activities they have mapped out for you. Some days like 15, 16 hours, right? If you go to their after events. And I'm like, that's way too much fucking human interaction. Five days. Okay. Yeah. Explain this. So you go there and you're going to go and do your own TED speech, right? Yeah. So you do your own TED speech. What is the other stuff they have for you? They want you to be available for, like, networking, cocktail events. Like, attendees want to talk to you. You need to be available. And I was like, look, I, I've done a lot. Like, I put people on. Like, I put them in touch with ad agency people. I put them in touch with other people to do business with other artists. I was introducing everyone. And I thought I was good. So I went yesterday to go do DVD Asa. I went up, met up Cho. I met up Asa. And I went, and now they called me today on the way over here. And they were like, we're taking your Fed TED Fellowship away. I was like, why are you taking the TED Fellowship? Like, because you went to L.A. I was like, you're in Long Beach. I just went to L.A. for the afternoon to do the fucking podcast. You're fucking crazy. And they're like, you took this spot from somebody who would have gone to every talk and been in everything. I was like, yo, the other people weren't there for everything, but you're also just crazy. Like, yeah. you're fucking crazy. You're crazy. They're not paying yeah. you. No, they don't pay. That's insane. That's you insane. go to do it for the love, and they want you for seven days, 12 to 15 hours a day. And what? And you can't yeah. just leave to go do something, some work that you have to do. Yeah. Fuck. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> they make you room with people. Wait a minute. Why? How can they do that? How they can were, they tell you who to sleep with? Yeah, they were, yes. And they were like, you have to room. It's part of the TED experience. And I was like, this is a cult. At this point, you have crossed the threshold. You are now fucking Scientology. Yeah. How big and is the hotel? It's a small, shitty hotel. It's a high reason. It looks like a fucking airport hotel. In Long so you're, both, you're like in the bed next to this guy. Yeah. So you had to hear each other snore. Yeah. It, oh, dude. Get the fuck, fuck out of here. What the yes. fuck is that? And they also hold this shit at Long Beach, and it's like next to... Yeah, it's part of the TED experience, Eddie. It is part of the TED experience. Eddie, it's part of the TED experience. Oh, I can't on. believe that no one's talked about this before, because this seems like straight-up Boy Scouts. Yeah. You know what is the thing is most people, they need TED. They need TED to put you on. They want the cosign. And most people, it's like, if you do something for me, I won't say anything about you. But that's, I mean, I think, Joe, you're the same way. I don't give a fuck what you do for me. If you're a fucking weirdo and you're about to start some new cult conference religion, I'm going to say something. They send packets, too, to be like, this is how to network with billionaires. 
Wow. Like how to go to how a to network, network with billionaires. Yeah. How to go to a network and talk to people and like talk to potential people who could collaborate and work with you. They're like, don't just go ask them for money. And I'm like, this is crazy. Oh my like, god. Don't just go wild. ask them for money. And it's yeah. in the packet. All they represent is a distribution method for the greatest minds on earth. That's yeah. all they represent. It's not that they are the greatest minds on earth. Yeah. It's just there's so many interesting people today. We, uh, we yeah. live in an amazing time. And yeah. just when you did something like TED, whatever TED stands for, it became synonymous on the Internet with fascinating talks. It didn't work out because you're not willing to be a fucking slave and sleep in a hotel room with a stranger yeah. for a week. Yeah. That's insane. I rehearsed for two days. I fucking did the talk. I did everything I'm supposed to do. And then I was like, I'm going to just peace out for like a half day. And they bought Wow. You know, you that's that's crazy. And it's the fact crazy. that they don't pay you, it's crazy. Yeah. You guys need to do a Vice show exposing Ted. That's how loony Ted. As I told Vice that. I, I told Vice them that say? before I got booted. I sent them an email like, yo, you got to see this shit. It's like the beginnings of Scientology. Wow. It is so true that once people have a position of power and influence and people want to be a part of them, people yep. go corrupt. Yep. They do shit like you should have a standing, you should give a standing ovation when this person comes. You should do this and that. It's what? crazy. Yeah. <laughs> wait a minute, wait a minute. Fake standing ovations? Yeah, and they were also saying, like, you know, when the founder comes, Chris Anderson comes, like, you don't have to give him a standing ovation. Like, they need you to do it. I'm like, the fact that you needed to give me this fake halfway disclaimer is so fucking strange. Wow, that's it's so, so strange. Bizarre. Yeah. They tell you who to and not to yeah. give standing ovations to. Who's you have to apply. You have to apply to go to TED to attend. And then once you're accepted, you pay $8,000. What? <laughs> that's a mind fuck. Wait a minute. Yeah. You had to pay? No, hell no, I didn't but pay. But the people who do the it, they apply. Attend, like, Those, okay, so yeah. the people that attend, these strict audience members, you're yeah. saying. Okay. You've got to want to be so down so bad to do that, to go through an application process wow. and then fucking pay. That's a lot of money. That's How many people are going? Money. How many people go? I don't know. I think uh, like 2,000, 3,000. Whoa. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. That's a lot of money they make. Holy shit. Yeah. That's a lot of money. Yeah. They make off of you. Yeah. 2,000 people <laughs> paying $8,000 in Hummers. Yeah. And I didn't even bother Ask counting. Ask an Asian, Joe. Ask an Asian. Always. I'm asking Asians from now on. Pretty sure 16 million in Jimmy, my Jimmy, you silly bitch. Although each step in the process is not necessarily to reach the end result. Theoretical physics, which should certainly not be classified as a science, but more uh, akin to a religion or at best a philosophy, Theoretical physics is so far removed from physical reality or the scientific method specifically, we simply cannot, by definition, call a theoretical physicist such as Josh Grinley or Neil deGrasse or, you know, Einstein a scientist. Each individual person must not stop considering never-ending piles of empirical irrefutable evidence which is totally contrary to the doctrine of rotundity and skeptically scrutinizing every last so-called proof of a globe will always lead the observer to the same conclusion. Uh, I would also like to extend a huge thanks to YouTube right quick for listing the totally bogus copyright strike from my account which had falsely been slung my way by the producers of the Art Bell Show who claims to have copyright ownership of my voice on a debate which I was invited to participate in, which was not actually a debate, but was certainly within my copyright ownership just as it was theirs, 
Furthermore, my remix of the debate, which was the focus of the copyright strike, was obviously the laws of the Fair Use Act and was indeed a fresh look and a parody of the original subject matter, which was my voice in the first place on a debate which I was not paid to participate in, nor did I sign away any of my rights to copyright ownership of my own voice. At any rate, YouTube has done the noble thing and lifted the copyright strike, and so the remix of the debate is now back up on my YouTube channel, featured as of 9-29-15 on the welcome page to my channel. So thank you, YouTube, for being totally fair and totally awesome. Now, with that being said, the time has come for the world to simply consider the truth. The truth is, science as we understand it to be an intense and rational, skeptical, unbiased mechanism with high standards of integrity, carefully developed over the course of history with the sole purpose of discerning the ultimate truth in all things physical, notwithstanding our limited capacity to understand or even register all things physical, which essentially render us mostly blind and deaf. However, we do have the ability to discern certain things by the power of deduction. Now, for example, the uh, majority of light and sound frequencies are totally imperceptible to the naked human eye or ear, respectively. We can use gadgets to see beyond the visible light spectrum or gadgets which produce or detect sounds inaudible to the human ear, yet have often the same effects on people. Just as an example of inaudible sound frequencies having an effect on us people, non-lethal, quote, crowd control devices which use ultrasonic waves to basically stun entire masses of people with frequencies of sound totally inaudible to the human ear. So how is it that some elements or forces of nature can be totally undetectable by the person and affect the person subjected to the said hidden stimuli? Is it possible that we are simply unable to detect or register much of true reality and our capacity to understand many things is inhibited by our physical nature and specifically inhibited by what we understand to be possible or impossible as well? So in other words, it's not what we can sense, see, hear, or taste but it is also largely about what we understand to be possible or impossible. That governs our view of reality in many, many cases. We're taught to believe that scientists are, honor are always honorable, truthful, unbiased, cross-section of our world community, somehow immune to the trappings and coercive nature of the power structures built into our hierarchically structured elements of our modern society, now encompassing the entire world stage, manipulating all levers of power and influence for all intents and purposes, we're taught to assume that scientists rely strictly on data, never conjecture to base their assertions or conclusions and will simply never endorse a theory or a law of physics that isn't supported by empirical, indisputable, repeatable evidence. This is an extremely naive position to take, and it's abundantly clear that people, hierarchical institutions, are inherently corruptible, 
including the scientists who are just as concerned with, if not more so concerned with fitting in or herd mentality, as they are concerned about uncovering the ultimate truth. Scientists, just like everyone else, by definition, must conform to the conventional paradigm and must also rely on passing tests which gauge their ability to conform to and regurgitate the details of the accepted paradigm. And let's not forget the financial aspects of science. They've got to eat, too. And as most building contractors will go after the money, scientists must ultimately follow the funding and in some cases conform to ideals which may or may not jive with their stance on a topic as funding to simply do their research and survive in the world is far too important than simple moral integrity, especially when you consider the majority of scientists are not exactly the God-fearing types who, in terms of the average person's ideals and moral compass, Got to have cash to pay the bills, which of course applies to scientists who apparently concern themselves more with adhering to the accepted paradigm than they do with ever seeking the ultimate truth in all things physical or even metaphysical. The widely accepted one, however, the obvious truth, which is self-evident and verifiable by anyone who cares to consider its bizarre conspiracy theory, how upside down is that? The ironic part of this whole thing is the bizarre, totally nonsensical theory is the widely accepted one. However, the obvious truth, which is self-evident and verifiable by anyone who cares to consider it, is considered to be the bizarre conspiracy theory. <laughs> How upside down is that? Now, as a glaring case in point, to illustrate the notion that I'm getting at here, a quick lesson in sodium fluoride. Sodium fluoride is a poison. It's a neurotoxin. It's a toxic byproduct of aluminum manufacturing. The super-rich, super-connected movers and shakers of the industrial world, an associated group of aluminum manufacturers from across the world, had a bit of a dilemma. See, all it was all the damn sodium fluoride. Uh, sodium fluoride, or simply fluoride, again, is a toxic, poisonous substance which is extremely hard to contain and even more difficult to safely dispose of according to certain ecological standards. Fluoride disposal was an extremely costly factor of doing business as an aluminum manufacturer due to the costs and liabilities associated with the safe storage and legally adherent disposal of the toxic byproduct. This was a major problem to a corporation beholden strictly to their own bottom line and to perpetual growth for their stockholders. So the aluminum manufacturers came up with an extremely ingenious, albeit insidious, plan to solve this cost-benefit problem in terms of sodium fluoride dispersal. You first must understand that, like the World Bank cartels, there is a worldwide network of secret societies that span the globe and have sworn to help out one another. And while apparently on the surface to the uninitiated, these groups are unrelated, you know, organizations or even individuals, they're unrelated, but are secretly making backdoor deals and secret arrangements within the confines of their Masonic lodges and their satanic lodges or similar summits. 
such as the widely known Bilderberg Conferences or the Council on Foreign Relations meetings, which are constitutionally illegal and reprehensible, as our elected leaders have no business dealing in secret with international bodies or international leaders, possibly foreign enemies, possibly domestic enemies, and should be impeached on these counts alone. Unfortunately, the population has been dumbed down to the point where we believe we are subservient to the government, but I'm sort of straying away from the topic here. Sorry. Okay, so the aluminum manufacturers put together a group of select scientists, dentists exactly, to comprise an official dental think tank or association of the most prestigious dentists of their time, or possibly the most easily controlled or persuaded to agree for one reason or another dentists of their time, or more likely proud apron-wearing members of the lodge dentists of their time, certainly the best connected or most highly esteemed and honorable dentists of their time, but we'll just call them the brightest dentists of the day, or ultimately you can call them what they formed, which is called the American Dental Association a very official-sounding group of dentists from the you know, Ivy League schools, ultimately created with the specific purpose of endorsing and promoting the use of fluoride as a safe, effective means to keeping our teeth cavity-free and even include the poisonous fluoride in most municipal and city water supplies for the same purpose. If you look on the back of a tube of toothpaste with an active ingredient as fluoride, notice the poison control warning on the back of the tube in the small print, never on the front of the packaging, of course, but quoting from a popular name brand toothpaste tube, quote, active ingredient sodium fluoride, 0.24%, then it supposedly, quote, aids in the prevention of tooth decay, end quote, now, if you read the warnings, if more than used for brushing is accidentally swallowed, get medical help or contact a poison control center right away. Other fun facts on the same tube are directions. Do not swallow. And if you consider a, quote, pea-sized drop is the amount recommended for brushing, simply swallowing a single ounce of toothpaste could potentially poison you. If you consider our drinking water is all laced with the same exact fluoride, how can we avoid calling the poison control center every time we follow the health guidelines of drinking one ounce of drinking water for every two pounds of weight? So, for example, I weigh about 175 pounds. I should be drinking about, you know, a little less than 90 ounces of water a day, 10 nine-ounce glasses of water every day. Now, if you look at the parts per million on your water bill of fluoride, it's rather frightening to realize that we're consuming enough toxic fluoride on a regular basis if we follow the, you know, the guidelines according to the health officials. But we're swallowing enough fluoride on a regular basis to necessitate calling poison control fairly frequently. Now, furthermore, neurotoxins tend to build up in our bodies as our natural immune systems were not designed or intended to cope with man-made toxic byproducts not found in nature. So, sodium fluoride is obviously a poison. The proof that it prevents tooth decay or cavities is anecdotal at best. 
It is indeed an outdated study done by a compromised group of dentists who were on the take of the uber-rich aluminum manufacturers who were even then at the early 20th century connected to these private banks. Now, when you have a group of prestigious, highly esteemed, Ivy Leaguer dentists parading sodium fluoride as the magic bullet for tooth decay, plus you have the official-sounding American Dental Association, a proxy group secretly funded and set up by the aluminum manufacturers, paying out dividends to private dentists to endorse or recommend sodium fluoride to their patients with their recommendations based on seemingly legitimate data backed by the ADA, the American Dental Association, what incentive would a typical small-town dentist of that time have to disagree with the brightest minds in dentistry and refuse the bonus payments for following the herd and endorsing fluoride as, well, a dentist would have to be stupid not to go along with it, and many of the private dentists simply had no motivation or funding or any reason whatsoever to try and verify or replicate or debunk the findings of the American Dental Association. Everyone's heard of fluoride, but what exactly is it, and how does it work to prevent cavities? Fluoride is actually found naturally in rock, soil, and water. It's a chemical ion of the element fluorine. It's a chemical ion of the element fluorine. It's a chemical ion. It's a chemical ion. It's a chemical ion of the element fluorine. It's a chemical ion. It's a chemical ion. It's a chemical ion of the element fluorine. Thirteenth most abundant element in the Earth's crust. An ion is a positively or negatively charged atom that helps elements combine with each other. Fluoride is a negatively charged ion that doesn't normally exist by itself. Instead, it combines with positively charged ions like sodium to make some of the ingredients that are found in your toothpaste. controlled, 
I've also seen compelling evidence that ingesting fluoride over time calcifies the pineal gland, which is our third eye, or the, literally the part of our brain that allows us to visualize or imagine 3D images and is arguably what causes our vision during dream state, as our eyes are obviously closed. All right. Well, this will be the end of this. We have other things to do. Um, you know, Skype's a real, drum, a real bummer. All I ever get as far as Skype's, not all the time. Fortunately, there's a few people out there, although lately it's only been Walt, which I'm grateful for, by the way, Walt. But uh, it's usually these people. The latest one is somebody, I just came to America to bless you and help you to get a million dollars. It's the same old thing. And then a bunch of all just naked, half-naked chicks and everything else just... We really do live in a satanic system. Everybody pretty much sucks. <laughs> Not everybody, I shouldn't say that, but the majority of people really do suck. They're so under such a mind control, and they'll do anything for a buck. It's really disappointing. Anyways, I think you guys are doing a pretty good job. Obviously, it doesn't go in the issue of the Jets, which as much as maybe myself and others. But he's laying the groundwork for someone who uh, may um, come across uh, the flat earth and have to do some real serious thinking. And you have to do some really serious thinking. I know it's James Arnett. He, uh, <laughs> I love him to death. He, uh, he uh, blocked me from uh, Facebook, <laughs> uh, in particular the one he, did, he posted on his website that uh, debunking uh, the flat Earth. With and uh, he's really upset. Most people do get really upset, but the problem is when you study the scriptures and you start studying this and you start weighing the evidence, and then you start using your own eyes, you start to realize, yeah, God created a circle oh, flat earth and I know that makes it's very frightening for most folks anyways God bless uh, James hopefully he'll be alright uh, the usual course will be he'll probably get really angry at me think I'm a nutcase just, just uh, fellowship me disown me and then if he's uh, one of God's children he'll come around and find out that it's true and then what I don't know what's all it's to Amen, God. Uh, yeah. Uh, the other thing is too. Um, looks like the guys in Power of Truth, Walton and and York, have a show at two today. They show on Thursdays on talk show. So, good luck with that, gentlemen. I am, I do appreciate the fact that that uh, Walt's come back in my life. I think he's kind of going through this. We're going through similar. Things is the uh, God shakes us and rattles us and and uh, and uh, purges us, teaches us the truth of, of life, reality, or our, our world. And the more and more you follow the way the truth lies, the more 
the more you will have less and less acquaintances, friends, associates, etc. And the more and more you'll have God. Yeah. See, it is like a big, giant prison. And uh, it's almost like being in uh, I don't know, uh, <laughs> one of those isolation cells, you know what I mean? Kind of true. It's almost necessary. So, Anyways, we'll be doing many more parts of this. I really feel strongly that the flat earth issue is a very important issue. Extremely important issue. It must be dealt with. So, anyways, God bless and take care. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.